Welcome to Cardiff City Church Podcast. We're a Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff, dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today as we listen to a word brought to us by our pastoral team. Well, morning church. We're continuing with our series called Restorer, where we're exploring Jesus being the restorer of soul, spirit and body. And whether he restores instantly, gradually or in eternity, he really does make all things new. In a loft somewhere, there are cassette tape recordings of when I was little. Now, some of you, when you hear the phrase cassette tape, are reminiscing about being able to record the charts on a Sunday. And some of you might be wondering what I'm talking about, because cassette tapes never really did make a comeback like records, did they? But I love that these tapes exist. They're recordings of me and my sister that my dad used to make when we were little. But other than these tapes and some photographs, there aren't really many other um, records of our childhood. Nowadays, of course, we can record things in all sorts of ways. We've got video and photos and blog pages and websites and social media accounts, lots of ways that we can record memories. But of course, we only want to record the nice memories, don't we? No one really wants a photo of that time that they argued on the way to the in-laws. No one wants a video of their boss telling them that they've not really done a very good job this time. Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet once starred in a film called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which explores a clinic which erases memories, erases memories that people find painful or that they regret. And this couple discover that they've in fact been in a relationship before that ended badly. And they've both erased each other from their memories because they couldn't cope with the pain of the regret. Regret is a horrible thing. You know, if you Google top regrets or most common deathbed regrets, then you can see list after list of things that people regret, the kind of things that people found the most difficult and they regretted in their lives. For Christians, of course, we know that death is not the end. We get to look forward to an eternity with our Heavenly Father. But are we supposed to get to the end with regrets? Are we supposed to get to the end with lots of if onlys as we look back on our lives? Well, I don't believe that God intended us to live in if only carrying the pain and the regrets of the past. And yet this is what some of us can carry. We can get stuck carrying the pain and the emotional hurts from our pasts. Yes, we're walking with God, but with the weight of regret, with the weight of emotional hurt, our if only's uh, being carried like a, a weighted sack, dragging and slowing us down, getting us worn out in life. For some of us, that sort of regret might be something that we've lost, a job, a career, a plan or a dream. It might have been time that would have been spent better on something else. For some people, that loss, the thing that we regret most, the thing that we wish would have been different is actually based on a wrong choice. Maybe we've been stuck in a cycle of sin, a, a sin that's become a habit. Maybe we've allowed sin to creep in. Maybe we've allowed ourselves to get distracted. Maybe we've gone off course. Maybe we've rejected God completely. Well, the amazing news is that God is the great restorer. And you know what is even more incredible is God's restoration is to even better. God restores and then some. God restores in an increased way. You know, when Jesus healed the man that was blind from birth, he didn't make him a, a blind man that was a bit younger. He didn't make him a blind man that didn't need to beg anymore. He restored his sight, sight that he'd never had before. He gave him sight God's restoration plan is to restore us, not to what we, before, we were before, not to what we were 
before the mistake or before the enemy tried to rob us. It's to move us forward, to make us more into his image. God doesn't restore us to our previous state. He restores us to his original plan for us. And so this morning, I want to talk about four ways that we can understand God's restoration power. The first is that God's restoration means that people are restored into relationship with him. God's ultimate restoration is people being restored to relationship. We're designed to be in relationship with God. We're designed to be loved by him and to love him. You know, when we come into a living relationship with God, we get to exchange regret for restoration. God's heart is for restoration. God's so passionate about restoration that he came to earth. He took on our sin and he died so that we could be free, so that we could be restored into relationship with him. God is healer, provider, creator and restorer. God is the great restorer. You know, the dictionary defines restoration as the action of returning something to a former owner, place or condition. God's heart is that we return to him to his original plan for us as his children made in his image. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to bring life and life to the full, life in abundance. Now, don't misunderstand this. Life to the full doesn't mean an easy life. It doesn't mean that life is going to be plain sailing we're all experiencing some kind of difficulty at the moment, some kind of hardship, whether it's that we're not able to see family members. It might be some people are serving on the front lines in the NHS and other key worker roles. Some are having to face sickness or uh, financial difficulties. Some have had to postpone events. Some have missed loved ones' funerals. We're all having a tough time in some way. Life to the full isn't the promise of an easy life, but it is the promise of restoration. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what my past was like. You don't know what mistakes I've made. Well, let's look at the word of God again, shall we? In Luke's gospel, it records the parable of the prodigal son, this son who greedily asks for his father's inheritance and um, goes off and squanders it even before his father's died. After wasting the money in what is described as wild living, he ends up destitute with nothing at all. But it's his own doing. He wanted the money and he spent it all. Anyway, he ends up hitting rock bottom and um, he ends up becoming envious of what the pigs are eating because he's so hungry. And so he decides that he's going to try and go back to his father's house. But he won't go back as his father's son because he realises that he doesn't deserve that anymore. Instead, he'll ask his father to be a servant in his house. And as he goes back, instead of his father making him work as a servant, he welcomes him with open arms. He dresses him in his finest robe and he throws a huge party to celebrate his return. I don't know what your past has been like, but I know that God welcomes you with open arms as you return to him. He dresses you in his best robes and he throws a party to celebrate your return. He is the great restorer. My friend Eddie spent many years living on the streets. He was addicted to alcohol and he couldn't go um, a day without having a drink. And at his lowest point, he lived in a, a skip and he came close to death. Eddie found a church drop in and built relationships there. And he found support to overcome his addiction. And he explored faith and made a commitment to Jesus. He became a Christian. Eddie has his own place now and he serves in the church that he's part of. And he works to support other people who are experiencing homelessness. 
Now, when he shares his story and he talks about the fact that he's very happy to share his testimony, but he doesn't dwell on the things of his past. And that's because he's living a restored life. God is the great restorer. In the parable of the prodigal son, we read that the son came to the father in repentance. He came saying that he'd sinned against heaven and against his father. Repentance is changing your mind. It's turning in the other direction, turning away from sin and towards God. Repentance is on the same road as restoration. They're in the same direction. And that means that unrepentance doesn't leave room for God's restoration. It means that we need to clear some stuff out to allow room for God's restoration. So God's restoration means that people are restored into relationship with him. And his restoration means that weakness can become strength. Weakness becomes strength. God can give us strength where we were once weak. In fact, God can use the very things that were our weaknesses, where we've been weak emotionally or, or spiritually. He can turn those things through his strength into our strengths. Let's have a look at Peter in the Bible. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, but he repented. He turned the other way. He turned towards God. The Bible tells us that he wept bitterly when he remembered Jesus' words that predicted his denial. So what did God do with Peter as a result? Did he limp along being known as Peter the denier for the rest of his life? Did he carry the regret and shame of having abandoned his Lord at the most crucial time? Or did he accept God's forgiveness, but try and keep a bit of a low profile, not attract attention, not speak up too much? After all, he'd let the side down pretty badly, denying Jesus three times. Well, let's have a look in Acts 2 and verse 14. It says, then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Peter went on to share the good news and that day 3,000 people were saved. Peter went from fearful denier to bold proclaimer by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of restoration that God is in the business of. His weakest point, his most shameful act was flipped over and that same voice that had been used to deny Jesus was used to proclaim. That same voice that was used to deny was used to declare the good news of Jesus. The man who had denied even knowing Jesus at one point preached a sermon where 3,000 people were saved. That is a good day for any preacher. That's God's style of restoration. Peter was restored and then some. Peter was restored to even better. That's how amazing God is. The very thing that can cause us the most pain, the most shame, the most guilt can be the very thing that God uses. The very thing that the enemy might have used to take you out can be the very thing that God uses to shine his light through. That's what God does. He is strong enough to turn our weaknesses into strength. He is mighty enough to use things from our past that might cause us pain or hurt and use them for his glory. We're called to advance forward, not just limp along, bandaged and battered. We're called to move forward with our wounds restored. So the third way we can understand God's restoration is by knowing that God's restoration means that fruitlessness becomes fruitfulness. Fruitlessness becomes fruitfulness. When we encounter loss or emotional pain, the risk is, is that we get stuck there. We can settle in this pain and just kind of manage by scraping through. As long as we bandage up the wound, we'll just try and soldier on. 
that's not God's plan for us. God's plan is to restore. Joel 2, 25 to 26 says, I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame. Israel's crops have been completely destroyed by a locust invasion and the impact was significant. Years have been affected. This invasion destroyed everything, seed and all. But God's promise was to restore. He didn't say you're just going to scrape out of this devastation. You'll just about manage on the other side. He said, I'll restore the years. You will eat in plenty and you will praise the name of the Lord. This is an amazing promise. You know, in this crisis that we're facing at the moment, many people are facing loss, facing the loss of jobs, of careers, loss of time, loss of being able to see other people, loss of occasions being missed. But even in this time, we're seeing people creatively find ways of maintaining relationships. We're seeing people connecting to others that they might not have connected with for a while. We're seeing people um, rediscovering their priorities and finding new ways of living. You know, this crisis calls for lament. It calls for us for acknowledge, to acknowledge our grief and to allow God to minister to us in this time. And for some of us, it might feel like a time that is fruitless, where we're missing out on so much, where we're not able to do so many things. But God can turn fruitlessness into fruitfulness. And even where we experience loss, where there's been something that the locusts have eaten, even where we've had times in the past where maybe days, weeks or months or years even have gone by um, where we feel that they've been wasted. Maybe we've been on the wrong path or we've been stuck in a cycle of sin. Or it might be that we've not been able to use our gifts or our callings where we feel that we could be using them. God can restore those years. God can restore the years that the locust have eaten. You know, I believe that out of this time that new ideas are going to be birthed. I believe that creativity is going to be stirred. Priorities are going to be realigned. Communities are going to come together out of this crisis. There's going to be a fruitfulness that comes out of this time and there can be a fruitfulness that comes into your life. Wherever that locusts have eaten, where we've lost time, even where our hearts have been hurt. You know, God doesn't rewind time, but he does restore this can mean a, an acceleration or a growth far beyond what is humanly possible. You know, I know people who've become Christians as adults and they've got a, a maturity, a spiritual depth far beyond the years that they've known God. God doesn't rewind time, but he does restore years. God isn't the God of patching up. He's not the God of making do or of just enough. God is a God who can turn fruitlessness into fruitfulness. He is the great restorer. The fourth thing to know about God's restoration is that it means the restored become restorers. God doesn't want us to just keep reliving our past, getting stuck in pain and regret, keep replaying mistakes that we've made. You know, the problem with being stuck in the pain of regret is that it means that God can not only uh, it limits uh, God being able to do things in us, but also through us it can put a complete limitation on that. If we're truly living in restoration and restored in relationship with God and allowing him to restore all areas of our lives, then he can use us for the restoration of others. He can work through us for other people's restoration. He can use us to bring restoration to others where they might have lost hope, where they've um, experienced loss or pain, where they've made a mistake or where they've been hurt. You know, that doesn't mean that we try and fix people. 
but as Christians, we carry the Holy Spirit in us. It means that we carry restoration power in us. We've got the power to pray for others' restoration. We've got the power to work for the restoration of other people. Isaiah 58, 12 says, Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's us, church. Repairers of broken walls, restorers of streets with dwellings. We're called to be restorers, to let God work through us to help restore other people. Some friends of mine, Kay and Robin, uh, took a group a few years ago to Los Angeles and they went to minister in uh, Skid Row, an area called Skid Row, which is well known for um, its population of homeless people and people with addictions, people who are struggling in a number of different ways. Now, the group that Kay and Robin took with them had people in it who had experienced homelessness themselves, who had experienced addiction themselves. They'd been in the same place with uh, as the people that they were going to minister to. These were people who had experienced loss and pain, but they'd been restored into relationship with God and they were allowing God to restore every area of their lives. Now, this doesn't mean that they were the finished article because you know that none of us are, right? <laughs> That's not until heaven but they were people who had shifted their perspective towards God. I once was able to uh, fly a plane. It was a small four person plane and it was a really fascinating experience. But the thing that really struck me about it was um, the way in which you keep the plane level. And it is actually harder than you think. Now the pilot who was letting me fly his plane told me that I needed to look out at the horizon, but also to pay attention to the flight's instruments. And there was a particular instrument in the plane where you could look at it to keep to see that the wings were level, that you weren't dipping to one side or the other by mistake, and also to see that you weren't ascending or descending. It was amazing how easily you can lose perspective without being able to look at that instrument. Now, when we look out into the world, we need to make sure that we're keeping our eyes on God and his word to give us the right perspective, to make sure that we don't lose perspective. So like Kay and Robin's group in L.A., we don't need to be the finished article for God to work through us for his restoration plans. But we do need to have the right perspective. We need to have our perspective fixed on God so that we can be directed by him and that we're experiencing his restoration power in ourselves. God can use us in his restoration plans to help restore what has been broken. He has anointed you to co-labour with him in the restoration of other people's lives. He's, an, he's called us to join in with his healing restoration in bringing hope to other people. You know, God's restoration power is so great that it's enough for you and then some. It's enough for you to be able to give out to others, to pour out God's love towards other people. God isn't a God of just enough. God isn't a God of patching up, of scraping through or of limping to the finish line. God offers us a restored relationship with him, a restored relationship with the King of Kings that affects everything. God's restoration means people being restored to him. God's restoration means weakness becomes strength. God's restoration means fruitlessness becomes fruitfulness. And God's restoration means the restored become restorers. Church, don't live in regret. Don't allow the pain of the past to dictate your future. No matter what your past has been like, God offers restoration. When you've been knocked down to your knees, God doesn't just get you up on your feet. He sets your feet dancing. He really is the great restorer. Should we pray together? Lord, thank you for your restoration power in us. 
Thank you that you restore lives to you. Thank you that you make weaknesses into strength. You make fruitful fruitlessness into fruitfulness. And thank you that we as your restored people can be restorers to others. And Lord, that is our prayer today, that you would use us for the restoration of others, that we'd be people who bring hope to other people, who show people that restoration is possible with you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.